boils and ghouls. It's time to gather round us, horrifying hunter, petrified Preston, and devilish Dan. Crack open another cursed volume of tales from the crypt. This is Horrors from the Vault. <laughs> Welcome, kitties, to Horrors from the Vault. My name is Horrifying Hunter, and I'll be one of the three shadowy figures leading you into the dark and haunted corridors of this very vault. Tonight, we're cracking open our 12th tome of Season 2 with Fitting Punishment, an episode all about the sweet joys of the American dream of owning a funeral home. But before we can venture fully into this vault, let me introduce you to my co-host, Preston. This is a this is a big one for you. This is this is like a combination of all your favorite things. Petrified Preston, I know you're excited to talk about some fitting punishment. Oh dude, I mean, okay, so comic aside, we'll get to that in a moment, but I mean from the opening seconds, from the opening frame of this episode, I'm like, "Oh, what is this now?" So we have horror, we have basketball, we have like Air Jordan representation. I am so down for fitting punishment. Yes, I am happy to be here. I could see you perking up like like one of my dogs when I open a wrapper of something. Just kind of like, oh, tilting the head a little bit. Like, oh, are you getting up? Are you going to the fridge? Should I follow? Where are we going on this adventure trip? I want to be involved. Yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> and then on the opposite end of the spectrum, somebody who is uh, not about that ball life, but is about that <laughs> ska life. What's going on, <laughs> Devilish Dan? Uh, it ain't easy being me, man. This 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 week was not great, but uh, we'll get into that in a minute when we start talking about fitting punishment. It's a, uh, it's a fitting punishment to make you review this episode with your lack of basketball knowledge. However... Um, I can't build it up too much because this is not really an episode about basketball. This is not like a sports no. episode whatsoever. <laughs> it's just there's no ba- there, there's a basketball in there. Yeah, that's like a, literally, right. it's like I also participate in sport. Um, that's kind of the it's just a tiny bit of seasoning on the top of this. Uh, what is almost like a haunted house episode. We'll get into that. But uh, guys, it is good to be back. Like we said, it's the middle of January now. We're heading into doing some some more of season two. Uh, what are we? Are we like halfway through it? No, we're over halfway through. Over, We've got yeah. just, what? Maybe a third of season two left. I think it's oh, pretty accurate. Shit. Yeah. I yeah, gotta look so. up how many episodes there are now. I thought it was yeah, like I remember looking. It could be wrong. I remember looking a couple back, and I knew we were getting we were getting there. That's for sure. 
It is 18 episodes. You are correct. Oh, Finishing up that. with The Secret. Coming Ooh, up soon. I'm looking forward to learning what that secret is. Maybe it's about manifestation. But what I don't have to look up what the episode is about is this one, Fitting Punishment. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. Preston, I'm going to come and visit you over at the House of Horror. Welcome in, boys. Let's dive in. Uh, December of 1950. Yes, Vault of Horror number 16 is where we are headed for fitting punishment. Now, the comic uh, doesn't even contain a basketball. So there's that. There's at least one difference, right? Um, God bless young Stanley here. That's all I know because he has one (laughs) son of a bitch as an uncle and that is putting it pretty lightly um that is a shared theme in in both the uh page interpretation as well as uh, on screen so i gotta say you know this kind of you know i joked earlier saying oh well the episode has you know basketball and horror what's not to like one of the reasons i say check this story out on on paper if you will the original way is because it kind of does combine a lot of the things we love in Tales from the Crypt. We've got horror, right? We've got a creepy aesthetic where, you know, this guy essentially lives and, and runs a, a funeral parlor. Um, we have kind of ghostly zombie type figures, right? I mean, all those things, in my opinion, are things that I look for in this amazing series. And this story kind of has all those things. Um You know, I kind of I don't really want to get into the plot before we get into the episode itself. But man, just when I thought I I couldn't hate, you know, this uncle character more than than on the page, you you watch the episode and you're like, oh, this guy is truly an ass. Um, So I definitely did like the, you know, interpretation in the comics. And uh, I am really glad that they, you know, chose this as one to to do on screen. Um you know, they obviously added a couple interesting things here and there, fleshed out some of the story. I don't know what you guys were kind of thinking as you read this, but this is definitely a, a recommended visit for me. I mean, we may as well lay it out there. The major change between the show and the book is they went from being an all white uh, cast <laughs> in the comic right. to an all person of color cast in the show and very much rooted in the uh, you know, black community, too. It's not like it's a you know a funeral home that serves a multi multicultural it, it looks like it's very much hey it's the funeral home that serves this black community and that's about it um and i think that lends to a lot of interesting uh kind of dynamics in the show that aren't there in the comic um so i would recommend reading the comic to kind of compare and contrast just the two just to see what you pick up on between the two uh dynamics there yeah, this is the first comic in a couple of episodes now that I would actually full-heartedly recommend. You go check out and you go read the comic. Not only for those differences like Dan mentioned, but also 
I just think that the story is really well told. And you could see this being one of those stories in the original EC Comics lineup that really stuck mm-hmm. out to people and is something that they wanted to adapt later on when they decided to do this series. That said, we've said many times before, especially in the last couple of weeks, oh, you know, the comic inspiration, it's great, but really you could just stick with the episode. Here, it's been adapted so differently, but so fully that. I, I think you're you're best served by experiencing both of these and enjoying both of them. Um, yeah, I do think the episode is stronger than the comic, but uh, that's that's just my Tales from the Crypt TV series bias showing. <laughs> I still think this is a very fun piece of pulp horror. Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much feel the exact same way, honestly. Um, one thing I didn't mention as well about this episode, and, and I, I get it, like, all these to a degree are efficient storytelling, right? Because I mean, they're never really any longer than, you know, 10 pages or so. And, and, you know, we're getting a a full story within that, but this one did feel even more so than others. And I think, I think one of the reasons possibly it was a lot less wordy than some of the other stories we've read lately. Um, Some of the ones we've done, you know, or have this, a lot of inner monologue and things of that nature. And this one really relied on kind of the illustrations more and, and it was just a little more simplistic in nature. So um, that was, that was kind of cool as well. It's yeah, no I think- joke. Oh, Dan, I'm sorry. I was just going to say go it's no it. joke because you've brought this up before Dan, where you've basically said as much where it's like, Hey, there's not really much comic here it's literally just like a short novella like an entire speech bubble filling up one of these comic panels so Mm -hmm. it is nice to have one of these where you can really focus on the illustrations and allow your imagination to fill out some of those uh, parts instead of being directly told every little thing Yep. Uh, I was just going to say the last one, uh, Judy or not yourself today I believe uh, was the one that stood out to me as being a very egregious in the uh you know the overuse of prose in your comic book yeah for sure all right well dan i hope you're ready you're ready to go to bat or shoot at that hoop or score that goal because (laughs) we gotta go over to you to talk about the top billing you're gonna take one over the goal line in a second here we're gonna start talking about writers uh, Jonathan David Kahn and Michael Allen Kahn. Uh, Jonathan David, this is literally his only credit on IMDb, so not a ton. Uh, also, Michael Allen, also his only rating credit, uh, but he was first and or second AD on a lot of flicks, including Seven, Die Hard, and Die Hard 2, and Lethal Weapon 3. But the real important person in the writing cast here is Don Mancini. Uh, After starting as a writer on Cellar Dweller under the pseudonym Kit Dubois, he quickly found a lifelong career in ushering in the Child's Play slash Chucky franchise through its decades-long evolution. Uh, He's credited as a writer or co-writer on nearly every entry in the series, including the current Chucky TV show. But he's also directed the last three movies in the franchise, Seed of Chucky, Curse of Chucky, and Cult of Chucky, as well as several episodes of the television show. So wow. Don Mancini, yeah, Man. big uh, undercredited because he you actually have to dig on IMDb to get to his credit uh, into the writing section is not one of the top build writers, but he is like last build on the TV credits in the actual episode. Very so. cool. Talk about somebody that has found so many ways to reinvent themselves and make themselves 
uh, possibly even more relevant now than they've ever been. Like it just, they've mm-hmm. taken on so many different responsibilities, especially with their franchise as time has gone on. And uh, yeah, we're happy for you, Don. You're doing great. Yeah. There's very and, few creators out there that have gotten to been able to, you know, usher in a franchise and see it through its entire life cycle. And he's one of them to hold on to it for as long as he has to through all the various different uh, distribution partners and production companies. It's really nothing short of incredible. It makes you kind of wonder what special magic he's got that nobody (laughs) else does. Maybe he's like really good at reading fine print and negotiating terms. Yeah. (laughs) Well, honestly he, and he hasn't been credited with a whole lot of anything else. It's mostly just Chucky stuff, which is for him. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, I mean, had no idea on the cellar dweller thing. That is that is so yeah. funny. We were just talking about that movie the other day. That's a that's a fun one. I haven't seen it yet, but um, I should be able to see it in the next few days. Hey, I, uh-huh. oh, that's a good point. Um, not to get too much off topic, but like us and like many you know listeners watch you know the Tales from the Crypt episodes, how they're gracefully, thankfully uploaded to YouTube. You can watch Cellar Dweller there, or you can buy a. 50 to a hundred dollar box set like i did <laughs> which breaks out you only paid ten dollars for a movie how yeah. did i break it out to you the other day we're talking about the empire of screams arrow blu-ray box set which is a whole bunch of empire pictures uh really got the deluxe treatment by arrow video this year and cellar dweller is one of those titles which maybe we'll be talking about soon enough on another podcast maybe we'll talk mm. about it at the end a little bit however um yeah how, how did i break it up to you the other day dan listen, i was like listen, you really you want boy. dolls you yeah, paid you're... 25 bucks for dolls and then f- what six dollars for the rest of them yeah it was <laughs> it was a deal like the like dolls is currently going for 50 to 60 the old scream factory one that i stupidly didn't buy when it was still in print so wow. i got this instead and uh spent you know all that money on five movies instead of just the one and the transfer is so go. much better than that old scream factory one and I think it has all the all the same special features, or at least most of them. Yeah. yeah, all the important stuff, all the stuff you really want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, anyway, anyway yeah. Let's <laughs> let's start talking about the director, Jack Shoulder. Uh, apparently, he likes making horror sequels since he's made two of them: uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Two, Freddy's Revenge, and Wishmaster Two: Evil Never Dies, and not a ton else extra. So we can start talking about the cast. Moses Gunn as Uncle Uncle Ezra. Uh, he was Bumpy Jonas in Shaft and Shaft's Big Score. Cletus in the original Rollerball. Dr. Pinchot in Firestarter. And Chiron in The NeverEnding Story. He's got a decent amount of credits under his belt. Like a yeah. bunch of random. Like, you know, that's the Tales from the Crypt hallmark. When it's not a big star, it's just like, oh, here's that other person that wasn't really on my radar but they did like 60 movies slash tv series and he's one of them yeah nothing heavy hitting but you know just some fun ones to mention too uh also fun to mention is john claire as bobby thornberry uh he has a lot of one episode television spots but he was malcolm in children of the corn 3 urban harvest uh it's pretty bad but you should watch (laughs) it see some good screaming mad george effects uh there's some good practical effects in that one Dude, I cannot believe that the third Children of the Corn is called Urban Harvest. What the fuck? Oh, God. <laughs> Usually we'll wait till like way later in the series to go to the, you know, Leprechaun Goes to the Hood or one of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll, I'm sure we'll cross over at some point with the Leprechaun franchise. I'm just no, waiting on the day. Um, 
But yeah, oh my god, I never knew that about the Children of the Corn franchise. If and you want to know about Children the of the Corn, so, the gather yeah. the revelation yeah. that doesn't actually reveal anything. We <laughs> just finished watching the Children of the Corn series after starting it during the pandemic, and oh, they're not good. They are they're not tough, good movies. Do you think? Do you think we could get like Predator Two versus Children of the Corn Three? Could we make that a thing where we make them, we pit them against each other in like a gladiatorial pit? May as well throw Jason in there and have him take the urban area as well. Oh, which God. is actually he's in a totally different he like he's on a boat the entire time yep. instead yeah <laughs> you know who doesn't like riding boats probably i'm not sure teddy wilson he plays clyde the organist in this uh he's mostly had a lot of small spots on really great 70s and 80s sitcoms the longest of which was playing earl chambers in 38 episodes of that's my mama uh, but he's also on such smash hits as All in the Family, Sanford and Son, The Jeffersons, What's Happening, Dukes of Hazard, 227, Give Me a Break, and The Golden Girls. Come on. Talking about wow. hells of a career. That's a good career. That's a very good career. Man. Right? One of those very, especially for somebody who doesn't get a lot to do in this episode, you figure they would have like bumped him up a little bit more. But maybe he was like, look, I am I am book solid. I can give you maybe two hours on, on Tuesday, <laughs> but that's about it. I got another <laughs> episode accurate. to film with my boy Sherman Helmsley. <laughs> Dan, I do expect you to go into IMDb and add a possible fun fact. Might have been scared of boats? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit his Wikipedia page. Get on it. That's what I got for this week's stars. Good stuff, Dan. Nice. Let's go check out the episode itself as we dive into television terror. That Crypt Keeper segment, boys, shooting some b-ball out by the tomb. He's having a great time. He, he's like, uh, oh, crap. Now I've got a mixed up. I think the the closing one is where he's, he's tying his Air Jordans or his sneakers yes. up on the desk. But mm-hmm. I do enjoy how fluid the crypt keeper is in both of these segments just in case i forget to mention it later on he is like rocking and rolling he is a very impressive puppet and this is one of those episodes where every you know every single episode we're looking at it and we're like oh man what a fun crypt keeper segment but this is one of those where it's like how did they do all this this is such a cool thing to maneuver around and uh it's I will say this, his segments are very out of tone with the episode itself, which I yeah. I get <laughs> on one hand, like you've got to have that cohesiveness of the Crypt Keeper being a very punny, wisecracking guy. But especially with how this episode concludes to cut into him immediately making some absolutely terrible jokes right after maybe lessens the impact a little bit. We'll talk about it a little bit later. But as far as the opening, fun stuff here. He he missed an opportunity for not calling it basket skull. That would have been a, a better pun <laughs> than, you know, because that's what he's doing. He's throwing skulls that sounded like <laughs> yeah. vases breaking. I agree. Shooting skulls. I want to see like some deleted scenes of like a wide shot of a basketball goal and then three puppeteers just tossing the Crypt Keeper with full force <laughs> yeah. onto it. Like I want to see the Crypt Keeper himself making like the Air Jordan stretch into the basket. I'm sure I also AI have, to do that. <laughs> oh God. I'm on Dolly mention, right now. Going ahead. <laughs> my man is, uh, you know, rocking a Jersey. First of all, he's, and he's rocking I, the Jersey. 
I just noticed, I did not notice this, my previous viewings, but he totally has a wristband on and I am yep. totally here for it. I love it. You can tell they were just like, oh, we're changing it up. He's getting out of the robe or we're putting him in a jersey. The only thing that could have made it a little bit better is if he was wearing either one of those plastic face masks that some people wear yes, or he yes. had the headband on. The headband the headband would be it. Yes, absolutely. Maybe like a little, uh, you know, like one of those uh, squeeze Gatorade bottles on the table, something. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Michael's special juice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that what it was in Space Jam? Oh, yeah, like that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's secret, uh, secret, whatever they call it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to keep calling it special juice, which is a term yeah. I use for a lot of things. But yes, Ooh. I am. I'm sipping some special juice as we speak. Guys. Bobby Thornberry is a young man who is down on his luck. His mother just died in a head-on collision alongside his father. And you know what? Life is about to get a whole lot worse. He's dropped off at his Uncle Ezra's funeral home, who is a shady son of a bitch. Ezra puts on the appearance of being a kindly and generous funeral director, but he is actually a gold-tooth snaggling asshole. <laughs> I meant to say stealing, but I'm going to go with snaggling because I like it even more. <laughs> He's snaggling. That's, I mean, he kind of is. Can you think of a better descriptor than snaggling? Um, oh, dude. I have a speech impediment. Be nice. Instead of understanding the tragedy of Bobby's situation, Ezra outright refuses to take him in until Bobby agrees to start doing work around the business. Dan, I think yeah. this is where your favorite quote of the episode might be showing up. Am I correct in this? Did you write is, one down this week? Is that of course? Is that where he starts um, bouncing his ball? And, <laughs> yes, it and, is. And he goes, "If you mess with that ball, I'll pound your balls right out of here." <laughs> I, I, I don't even know if mine is entirely right, but I wrote this down. Keep bouncing that ball, and I'll bounce your balls out of here. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. pretty close. Yeah, I mean that. That sounds like something my dad would say for sure. (laughs) I have Um, to make note of a line in the very same area of the episode because, oh my, I literally, I I mean, I laughed hard at this line and it's not even that funny. You just got to kind of see it in the context of the episode, but I wrote this down. It's something along the lines of like, you know, get out of here, boy, party's over. And he's like, party, the the kid says. And then the guy's like, uh, the viewing, you idiot. They've all gone to the funeral. Are you blind? <laughs> Just slaps him right on the back of the head. I'm like, oh, shit. And Damn. at that point, he thinks he's a customer, too. He doesn't know that yeah. he's related to him. Yeah, pow. <laughs> you know, and I have to mention another thing that I made note of at this point of the episode. This is a perfect time to mention it. Like, Right as we were getting introduced to to our villainous character, if you will, you know, I actually thought, you know, this could be fun. Like the characterization of this like no good sketchy funeral home director, like prying mm. on people like at their lowest emotional states. I'm like, you know, there there could be like some fun to this. And but you realize this dude sucks. Yeah. Like a lot. Yeah. And there was, I mean, and, and not to like the detriment of the episode, but there was like nothing to root for with this guy, like nothing to really laugh at with him. He is just a complete dick. 
I kind of appreciated that because we we've seen that tone taken a bunch of times so far with Tales from the Crypt, right? Oh Where it's yeah. Like, hey, you know, this guy's an asshole, but he's he's kind of a funny guy. Like you can definitely you can him, you can laugh at him. And for me to feel as much anger and emotion at this guy that I do, um, in, in you know, such a short form of entertainment. Uh, really says a lot for the performances here. Like, and oh, I'll yeah. go ahead and get this out of the way. Like, I'm really positive on this episode. I think it's got a very cinematic feel to it. And the story is well told front to back. Like, every single component works for me. Because, Preston, you kind of alluded to this. All the trademarks of Tales from the Crypt are here. You've got kind of mm-hmm. that, you've got that horror element. You have that uh, morality play uh, bit of it. But all of these elements, they're just delivered by really talented people on every single side of the production, whether it's the actors. Um, Bobby's arguably maybe kind of the the worst part, but he's still serviceable. Everybody, especially the uncle, he's exceptional. And I actually thought the direction was really fresh and fun on this front to back. So, yeah, I have a lot of positive feelings on this one overall. If we're laying it out there. I I do not care for this episode oh, <laughs> like, at man. all. Wow! And and I agree with you on some some points. The, the performances are, are are very good for what they are. I just don't think they were given a ton to work with, especially with knowing Dan, Don Mancini kind of co wrote this. You know, as a third writer, but whatever. I, you do expect a little more. And again, this is me, you know, put another coin in the jar, uh, a little more camp, especially knowing, you know, the Chucky franchise and where it goes. Um, I, yeah, you, you expect a little bigger of a performance. And he, he, while he's big, I, there's just not a ton new that I haven't seen a bunch of times before is a very, you know, standard kind of rote, gruff, old, you know, spendthrift character. You've seen him before. Um the main character Bobby just didn't give me much to root for. He he didn't do much to to change his his position. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did not love it. Sorry. Oh well, we'll talk more about that, and especially if something comes up in the plot, I want to hear more about why it didn't click. If it was more yeah, than just yeah. like the overall tone feeling of it. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think that's I can... most of it is the tone. But yeah. sure, I I kind of like that this one is a little bit more serious while also deriving from some of that comic book flavoring um if you you follow what i'm saying there um it just feels a little bit different i think we've had campy episodes prior and yes i do see your point with the talent involved maybe we could have got something really great that would have excelled underneath that camp formula or that that kind of taste or, or seasoning or whatever um but I really like what we've got here. In fact, uh, Garfield 039 on the Tales from the Crypt fandom wiki wrote, this is my favorite episode, TBH. Um, so, Dan, you're letting down Garfield. <laughs> Sorry, Garfield. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> I, also, I didn't know Garfield said that. I would have changed my mind. There was a lot of comments on this episode on the Tales from the Crypt fandom, and I, I picked out a handful here. Uh, this one's from Dragon Emperor 999. I felt bad for Bobby. He didn't deserve to die. But his evil uncle, he should rot in hell or have rats eat his body to the bone. <laughs> Hey, no lies detected. Night Nightmare Queen 31 says Satan's having a great time beating Ezra's ass. I'm Jewish, but I wanted to include this. (laughs) 
A fandom he, user. He did not log in. He says, I hope Ezra's body gets thrown in the garbage. That way he won't get buried. Irony, it's cheap, and I hope he never rests in peace. Ooh. Wow, dude, yeah. these guys are fucking rough. I feel Ezra- like the more reviews you read, <laughs> he, uh, you know, Dan's going to end up coming around on this thing at some point. Yeah scumbag deserved to be punished he killed his nephew so christian he is thou shall not kill (laughs) 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 he kill his nephew so christian he is thou shall not kill now he gone to hell that was written (laughs) 10 years ago almost on august 5th of 2014 and then finally Ezra Thornberry claims to be a Christian, which is a horrible lie, and he disrespects the Regilin and used it to commit crimes. He's going to hell. He's in <laughs> He's in hell and getting beat <laughs> shit. He's in hell and getting beat up by dead people with lead pipes for disrespecting <laughs> them. Oh man. Now that see, I want to see that episode where dead people are beating Ezra with pipes. Oh my God. You bet. After all, he's a big hypocrite who doesn't deserve to live. (laughs) And then someone helpfully wrote underneath five years later, if only he was a real person. (laughs) 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 I, uh, Uh. I don't always find it important to read the fandom comments, but you know, sometimes I like to pop in there and read some trivia. There was a, a really good fact because I haven't watched every single episode. Uh, the trivia didn't notate here that this was the only episode to feature an all African-American cast, which is, uh, mm. you know, really makes it stand out. I'm sure there are plenty of mixed casts in Tales from the Crypt. But yes, black representation has been really low so far in the series with only uh, really kind of that voodoo episode, which had some weird undertones to say the least Mm -hmm. so yes it is nice to have a change of pace here it it is something that is definitely worth noting but and the the one street employee and only sin deep as well (laughs) yeah right right (laughs) i used that phrase again the other day i I thought you guys would be happy oh beth and i are constantly calling people street employees (laughs) (laughs) it's broken out into the conversation All right, back to it. Thank you so much, Tales from the Crypt fandom users. Ezra begins to teach Bobby the ways of managing the funeral business, starting with how to take care of the corpses. Ezra also begins to show how cruel and cheap he truly is, disrespecting the dead by filling them with tap water. Not unlike the kind, excuse me, not unlike the kind I fill my sixth Dixie cup with at 3 a.m. after being out with my friend Duff. (laughs) Ezra feels no shame in his behavior, using the Bible as a way to justify how terrible he is, which is very similar to megachurch pastors and politicians. Cars from the Vault <laughs> listeners, have you ever accidentally ordered a pine casket when you meant to order an oak one? It's happened to all of us, Oof. huh? Hate when that happens. Yeah, dude, it, it happens to me all the time, especially with Amazon Prime. It's so easy for me to get a pine <laughs> casket when I really want an oak one. Well, the last time you ordered a pine casket, and that's what you did want, and so you just assume that you just hit reorder, but it, it turns out <laughs> yeah, you needed an oak one this time, and you thought it was pine. So they make it too easy almost. Ain't that the way? Goddamn Amazon. Ezra makes uh, that mistake, however. He orders that pine casket. So he does the godly thing and beats his nephew Bobby's ass to high heaven with a crowbar. <laughs> Bobby ridiculous suffers, ridiculous Bobby ridiculous. suffers a massive spinal injury and he will no longer doing he will no longer be able to do the thing he loves most playing ball and to add insult to injury his shithead uncle sells his air Jordans 
Oh, that son of a bitch. He's like, uh, he, ain't, and, and, he ain't gonna need him no more. It's some really shallow looking, too, because I guarantee you those Air Jordans from the early 90s, if he kept them for another 20 years, it'd be worth oh. way more than he sold them for. <laughs> but you gotta wear them out every now and then, otherwise the foam will disintegrate. Is that, true? <laughs> that is true. That is completely well, no. true. Yep. The shoes, however, they break Bobby's spirit, and he threatens to tell the police about what really happened to him. Bobby's been a real good sport, by the way. That was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. But he's like, yeah, you can break my literal back. I've got nowhere else to go. What am I supposed to do? But I'm still not going to report you to the police. It's the shoes that put him yes, over the yes. line. You can literally beat me like the Joker killing Jason Todd. But yeah, <laughs> that's fine. I can put up with that. But you sell my shoes. Oh, son, we got a problem. Ezra realizes he does finally have a use for that pine box he mistakenly ordered. And in true Doug Stone style, he decides Bobby would be the perfect fit for it. More on that soon. Ezra leads his tiny Tim nephew up to the top of the stairs. And like James Harden taking that 90 mile per hour ball to the face during the Bucks versus the Rockets, Bobby hits the floor. Except Bobby died and James Harden didn't. Oh, You're safe for now, James Harden. Bobby snaps his neck on his tumble down the stairs. Ezra proceeds business as usual and drains his nephew and fills him with sweet, sweet tap water. But he's a little too tall for the Asian pine box that was ordered. That's a detail I forgot to bring up earlier. Yes, yes these are important. these are former Asian, <laughs> Asian-sized pine boxes. By the way, uh, so someone who has previously worked in ordering things from around the world, it takes way longer than like two days to order something and get it from Indonesia. I think they said it was Singapore, something like that. It, it, listen, if if someone dies and they're like, oh, I need a certain you know size of pine box, listen, it's going to take months for that shit to get over here. But consider this, it saves them money. And that's what it's all about. Maybe he's got that connection. You know, he's he's tapped in. He's tapped into that market and he knows the connections to make it happen. Mm, I guess. <laughs> so, unfortunately, Bobby, like I said, he's a little too tall for that pine box. So Ezra does the completely reasonable thing and saws off his nephew's own feet to fit him in there. Not unlike me sawing into a delicious steak that I had at Texas Roadhouse. And that's why I'm proud to introduce this week's sponsor, Texas Roadhouse. Reasons to love Texas Roadhouse. You're welcomed with the irresistible freshly baked bread. You'll indulge in the juiciest steaks, the most tender fall of the bone ribs. And with every main course, you get two made from scratch sides, legendary margaritas, and great food. Texas Old House, a legendary experience like no other. The, all right, there's no way you had a delicious steak at Texas Roadhouse. There's Actually, nothing I, delicious at Texas Roadhouse. Juiciest steaks. I've had many delicious steaks at Texas. Juiciest steaks. Oh, I'm not gonna lie. Again, you and my dad. You can you can go there with my dad. That's what he picks every Father's Day and every September <laughs> and his birthday. We have to go to fucking Texas Roadhouse. It's the it's Morgan Wallen of steakhouses. It's sticky. The sides are the worst fucking garbage you're ever going to taste. <laughs> Two made from scratch sides. The, the bread is good. The bread is mid at best. The bread is <laughs> fine. Freshly baked bread. It's garbage food. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Last time we went to the steakhouse nobody that he chose, nobody got a steak. Juiciest steaks. I said, 
before. Why don't we go to the, the actual barbecue place that's not that much further away? No, we didn't go there. We wanted to go to Texas Roadhouse. What did he get? Pulled pork. What the fuck? He got pulled pork <laughs> at the steakhouse that does, doesn't even do steaks well. Oh, sorry. Well, that first of all, you've besmirched the first ever Hars from the Vault sponsor. So I'm going to have to bleep Uh-oh. out most of that. Um, secondly, well, that's Panera went, Bread pulled their other sponsorship. You went to Fuck Texas Panera. Roadhouse and uh, you didn't order the steak. Juiciest steaks. So maybe that's why you think it's bad. You didn't get I've the had steak. their steak. I've had their juiciest steaks. Steak. You've you had didn't. their steak, but you yeah. didn't have it last time. It's it's a scale. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. You got to get that punch card punch. How many goddamn times do I got to order steak there before I can decide it's not good? <laughs> I, uh, at least five more. Six That's, more times? It's, it's been like 20 times. Late one night, Ezra wakes up to a knock on the door, and he answers it to find no one there. There's a runny faucet. The lights are flickering on. And Ezra, he thinks that Clyde, he's back with the nail in the bat. He's going to smack him and get his revenge. But that's not the case. But in a sweet little reference to the changeling, you guys noticed that, right? With yep, the ball yep, bouncing the ball down the stairs. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's pretty fun. Like, I love when there's a little tribute like that that's not super obvious. Like, it's the same shot, but it's fun to do it with a basketball. The I basketball, enjoy that. The basketball falls down the stairs and lands at Ezra's feet. And then after he bends down to pick it up, the Air Jordan-wearing foot kicks him all the way down the stairs. Ezra... Where did the Air Jordans come back? That was my other question. I like to think his cut off feet, because I don't think decapitated is the term if it's not the head. Mm. I like to think that his feet tap, tap, tapped into whatever pawn shop or whatever poor <laughs> bastard bought the shoes Ooh. and stole them back. Like the leprechaun shoes and Merry Melodies or Looney Tunes. Ezra, he fucks up his leg from the fall and he can't feel, I guess it, it, he's also got a spinal injury, but he's like, my leg, my leg. And then in what is one of the greatest scenes I've ever seen in Tales from the Crypt history, uh, Bobby's uh, ghost without legs hobbles down on crutches and then uh, he quotes the Bible and then beats Ezra to death with a crowbar. And I just wish we kind of got to see the fallout of that scene. Mm -hmm. I wish we got a little bit more squelching, a little bit more squishiness. (laughs) I wish we could have seen the ultimate fate here. But after plenty of blood uh, from all the the mortician style scenes, I can let it slide. I got my blood feel. It's kind of gross, but I would have really loved to see the uh, inglorious bastardization of uh, Uncle Ezra's face at the end. And we fade to black. And then we cut to the Crypt Keeper, who's tying those shoes, boys. He's doing great. (laughs) And making terrible, awful jokes about this mostly, you know, it's a comic-inspired episode, but it's got a serious haunted tone to it, a serious kind of scary tone to it. Um, it's It's a very jarring juxtaposition immediately. The fade to black straight into him doing his goofy shtick. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, uh, a floating decapitated foot ghost is creepy as shit. I, I really enjoy that part. Right. Uh, have we converted you a little? Are you a little bit more positive? No, that's the only part of the episode. I like the rest of it's mostly just watching people do work or walk around the dirty ass apartment. Oh, the truth is coming out, huh? No. no. <laughs> you like that changeling reference though. I'm going to hold I did like the changeling. Uh, you know, uh, I have found out that that changeling reference is actually the in the changeling 
is a reference to an earlier film, Mario Bava film. I think it was kill baby kill. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I was like, Hey, that's like from the changeling, except for this is like 15 years earlier. So little, little fun fact there. Yeah. The more, you know, all right, let's go ahead and pay our last respects. Dan, go ahead and just wrap it up here. I feel like 1. you kind of... 1.5 skulls. Ooh, solid. Skull. Wow. 1.5. Like I said, there's a lot of time just spent uh, watching dudes walk around and do mortuary work. There's not a ton of dialogue the tone feels off because it feels like it wants to be campier than it is. It's much more dark and dour than I think it needs to be for the story they're telling. And I also don't find the main Ezra character all that appealing. I know you're not supposed to, but I don't find him appealing in a interesting light. Uh, I don't mind a irredeemable villain, but they at least have to be, interesting to watch and he is not that again not performance wise i think it's just on the page that's what he was given to work with 1.5 severed thumbs sorry wow all right can't blame you i understand i respect you i wonder if this is going to be like our um oh man what's the crazy bat shit episode that we were all over the place of oh god yes yeah Uh, yeah three's a crowd three's a crowd yeah Yeah. because I don't know. I still stand by that best friend was out of line. <laughs> Let's, we need to re we're going to re review that episode. Once we cover everything else, we're going to go oh, back. God, yes. Do it again. Uh, uh, Petrified Preston. How are you feeling about this week's episode? Oh man. I did really like this one. Kind of, as I indicated, you know, previously it, it did, it did hit with me, Dan. I totally get where you're coming from, man. I've certainly been there. Um, some of the episodes in the past, but I kind of, I kind of lean definitely more kind of like what you said, Hunter, you put it in a good way earlier about how you actually kind of respect what this episode did in terms of the tone, you know, kind of in line with the performances and stuff, because again, you know, this dude was such a, you know, such a villain. You keep waiting for that kind of sarcastic, you know, flip a switch to be flipped. That is, and, and it never really comes. I mean, he, that's, really truly who he is through this episode um you know there's so many things here um in my opinion to like you know in terms of what tales from the crypt does i'm I'm really bouncing back and forth between two scores <sighs> but i think i'm gonna go with four severed thumbs wow, wow. that's really high <laughs> Well, Preston, you're not alone because I am also doing this for severed thumbs. I really like this episode. And Dan, I hear you out. I respect you and I understand where your points are coming from. But I think this episode worked a lot more for me. Well, obviously, it worked a lot (laughs) better for me than it did for you. (laughs) And those scenes that you describe as boring, I actually, uh, Preston, I I guess you feel the same way. I kind of got wrapped up in it. I felt captivated by it. And it felt like I was watching a full story, like a full 90 minute movie condensed into what, like 25 minutes or whatever. I felt like I had a full arc for everybody and I just really enjoyed it. And I thought it had some really fun haunted house elements that we've talked about. There was plenty of gore and, you know, kind of the, the blood and gut side of things. And I think he was just a really nasty character that I enjoyed watching 
personally. So yeah, Preston, I'm joining you. It's uh, one of the the better episodes we've watched with season two so far. I like it. I definitely still have my favorites from season two, and I don't know if this cracks the top five, but overall, I'm I'm very positive on it. Like I said, oh, like I opened up with juicy steaks. All right, well that brings us to the end of another episode of Horrors from the Vault. We appreciate you guys tuning in. It's always a blast. Hopefully, you don't get hit with a basketball and fall down the stairs. But if you do, <laughs> um, don't die. I guess. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Petrified Preston, where can the folks keep up with you when you are not doing Horrors from the Vault? Ooh, well, y'all know I've been logging a bunch of movies these days over on Letterboxd. It's been a great start to the year. A lot of a lot of new watches so far, so you can keep up with all my stupid, nerdy movie logs over at Preston967 on Letterboxd. I'm on Twitter under the same handle. You can find me on Facebook under Preston Green, and you can also find us in an episode we've mentioned a couple times thus far, Grim Grinning Hosts. Uh, talking about physical media, yet another thing we love. I'm looking forward to it. Dan, I usually let you go next, but I'm going to go ahead and hop in here because we're talking about GGH real quick. So that episode, we are finally, it is recorded, it is done. Um, It will be going up on the Grim Grinning Host podcast feed very soon. That is, we've all picked five of our favorite physical media releases for movies um, of the last year with 2023. There was so much great stuff released in 2023. And we've done these episodes, I think, for the last three years or so we've always gotten together to talk about some of our favorite releases on 4k and boutique blu-ray and uh this is a continuation of that but 2023 was just an absolute stacked year and uh there's a lot of great suggestions on there so like i said this episode it's going out regular horrors from the vault uh time zone time and place i guess whatever uh it's going out the regular time on horrors from the vault but that episode will be going up the following week over on Grim Grinning Hosts. So make sure you're subscribed over there or at least pop in by next Friday when the next episode of Horrors from the Vault goes up because you will also be able to listen to us talk about our favorite Blu-ray releases of that year. It's sure to be a lot of fun and we hope to see you there. We can cross-tweet that too. Tweet and, and threads and whatever else. So, you know, pay attention to the socials and you'll uh, get to check that out there too. Beautiful, beautiful, devilish Dan. Hey, you want to know what those socials are? Absolutely. Or Vault Pod, all the good places, except for Facebook and uh, TikTok. We don't do the TikToks because that's a lot of work and, and I'm too old for that. Um, but everything else, Threads, Blue Sky, Instagram, Twitter, check us out. You can also check me out there at Red Right Dan. And also over at Letterboxd, just dropping logs like Preston said, uh, it is Daniel P. Sims with two M's over there. Thank you. Dan say he be shitting with the amount of dropping logs. He (laughs) dropping (laughs) all them logs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And if you want to keep up with me, the best place to do so is also on Letterboxd. You can find me over at discount Vincent Price on that platform and also Instagram if that's your thing. I uh, mainly post my story nowadays, but you might get an occasional selfie or a cat picture. Uh, No offense, but I got a real cute cat. One of the uh, like Mm -hmm. maybe top three cutest cats in the world. And I say no offense because 
all cats are cute in their various own ways, but I, I got a real winner. Her name is Leota. She's fluffy. And anyways, uh, you can also find me right here on Harv's from the Vault, uh, Grim Grinning Hosts. You can find me on Disorder Every Disney Film and the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. Holy fuck, I do too much. But for now, thank you guys for listening to Horrors from the Vault. Crypt Keeper, wave that jersey over your head and hit that bass. Stakes. We hope you had a bone chillingly delightful time and your deep brain souls were satisfied to the macabre cause. Beware, kiddies, because the next time you dare to venture into the vault, you might not come back at all. <laughs> That's for you. I'm we'll so glad. For you while I'm waiting, I've been recording for 15 seconds, so I've got that. Like an I uh, I heard you start, and then after it didn't start, uh, excuse me, I heard it start, and then after it didn't stop, I was like, let me let me get this on record, just in case.